0: If that sounds like a dream come true to you, then welcome to the Shared Teaching Podcast. Let's share in the teaching to make those dreams a reality. Now here's today's Shared Teaching. Hello and welcome back to the Shared Teaching Podcast. You're listening to Susan and this is episode number thirty four where we're talking about five alternatives to traditional homework. Now, if you're new here, I am a second grade teacher. I am also a single mom who happens to have a daughter also in second grade this year. So, wish me luck. It's going to be an interesting year. And I am talking about alternatives to homework because I've always hated giving homework. You know, you make all these copies, and I hate wasting paper. I hate going through my allotted amount of copy paper, which (laughs) might seem kind of silly, but we're only given a case of copy paper for the year, which is insane, right? So it's kind of, why do I want to copy things when I'm only going to get like five kids to return it? So... I really don't like copying homework, handing it out, grading it, that whole thing. So, so far this year, I have yet to assign any homework, and I gotta say, I love it. It's freed up my evenings a lot. I don't have anything to grade. Not that I really graded homework in the past. I might glance at it, look at both sides, maybe give them a big old star, pass back their paper so the parents know that I looked it over, or it just winds up in the recycling bin, to be honest with you, because sometimes I just get very far behind grading homework. And if homework is not taken as a traditional grade, then it winds up in the old recycling bin. So there's a lot of different reasons why you might want to not do homework, one of which I mentioned. And some other ones might be that it's really not meaningful practice. We don't know who at home is doing the work. It could be the parent giving all the child the answers and they're just writing it down. It could be brother or sister doing the homework for them. I mean, it's really hard to say. I've never noticed any significant growth From students that do their homework versus students that don't do their homework, primarily because the students that do their homework are also the students that do all the assignments in class and are generally your A and B students. Generally, not always. And as a mom myself, I know when my daughter brings homework, I kind of groan over it because even though she's a good student and she's a pretty decent reader, when we sit down to do her homework, sometimes a little two-page assignment can take us like an hour and a half. And it's pulling teeth like to get her to sit there and work on it because she's been at school for six hours. The last thing she wants to do is sit down and work on her homework. And I've been teaching for six hours. The last thing I want to do is sit down and think about more homework. So I can only imagine how the families feel that are getting home even later than I am, because I'm lucky enough to be home by for 4.30 in the afternoons, maybe they're not getting home until dinnertime, like 6, 6.30, 7 o'clock, and now they're having to sit down with their child and work on homework. So I feel for these parents. So anyway, let's go ahead and dive into some alternatives that I found to doing traditional homework. So the first one is to do a monthly family homework. Now, this is something that I like to use a lot when I was teaching first grade, and it was a Title I school, so I kind of had to be mindful about what exactly I was sending home. So usually it was a photocopied picture, like an outline of something, and the students either had to decorate it in some way and return it to school. So, for example, I had a, December was a, hidden pattern. And it was a Christmas tree outline, but I didn't call it a Christmas tree. I just called it hidden holiday patterns. So nobody would be offended about having a Christmas tree. And they just decorated it in a pattern. And then they had to bring it to school and kind of do a little mini show and tell and talk about what their pattern on this Christmas tree was. Another time I did the very famous disguise a turkey. So that again, they got an outline of a turkey sent home, and they were asked to hide the turkey. So they came up with different disguises. Some students chose to redo the outline I had sent home onto like something else, like a paper plate. And they came up with some very clever ways of, you know, gluing fabric, drawing pictures that, they brought in to share. So they're always just fun, right? So it's a way to get the families together. It's a way to get the students excited in doing something that's creative. Most students love to do an art kind of activity. So that was my monthly family homework. And I assigned it at the beginning of the month and I requested for it to be done by the end of the month. So as they finished, they could bring them in and that kind of enticed more students to bring theirs in once they saw others returning them and being able to share. Because what student doesn't like to share? So it gave them that opportunity in class that they might not always have to talk about what they were doing. Okay, the second thing that I have for an alternative to traditional homework is a choice board. So this is pretty common um, for homework, especially In the gifted world, so when I taught gifted education, we used choice boards an awful lot because students that are higher abilities do like to have those choices that they can make on how they're going to complete an assignment. So maybe they want to write a song versus do a historical report, and it gave them those choices. Now with COVID last year, I turned back to my old gifted education roots and I started doing choice boards for homework. And I just did a weekly one and we had a box for each one of the subjects and the students were required to pick one for each day, I believe it was. And by the end of the week, they turned in their choice board. And the way we asked them to turn it in was to turn in a picture through the Class Dojo app or send it through their email. And a lot of students did that. I got a lot of parents engaging with that. And we also shouted it out to our Facebook page to kind of get more families involved with wanting to share what their child was doing at home. So Catherine, the Brownbake teacher, if you've heard of her, she talks about how she uses a choice board in her first grade class as her homework alternative, and she really tries to focus on non-academic skills that her students need. So if you go to sharedteaching.com forward slash podcast, you should be able to see this five alternatives to homework um, blog post. And you can find the link to her article and read all about it on her page and see how she incorporates that in her class. Now, Fishy Rob is another blogger, and she also uses a choice board, but she calls it a choice sheet. And she offers a free and editable version on her website, which is also um, available on this blog post article site, whatever you want to call it. So sharedteaching.com forward slash podcast, or you can find it under teacher and as the category teacher, and you can look it up there as well. So once again, you can assign choice boards for either the week or the month, depending on how many choices you want to add. And I always like to think about adding choices that hit the different learning styles so students are able to choose what best interests them. And it's also a really good way to get insight into what your students like best and what might motivate them more while they're actually in the classroom. And then the last thing about choice boards is that I try to require that not all the squares have to be completed. So kind of like a bingo board, you want to have like a free choice or just some that are left blank because who wants to do all of them and feel like they have to do everything on that choice board? Okay, so number three for our alternatives to traditional homework is to do what's called an unhomework task card. Now this one that I stumbled across is probably one of my favorites that I've seen And it is by Debbie of Live, Laugh, Love to Learn. So task cards are not a new concept, but I just love how she broke her tasks into four main categories. So she has acts of kindness, good habits, Create, so like creativity, she had a little paintbrush picture on that one, and real world math and science. So Debbie takes these tasks that are super easy for students to complete, and she assigns the same task to the whole class. And then the students track their task. So if their task was how many times in a week they help their family, maybe they're in a notebook taking tally marks or something. And then on Fridays, she has a team meeting, a class meeting, to discuss what students came up with for their task. So that's the point where she might do a whole class graph and write down how many times as a class they helped their families, as individuals, and she kind of leads a further discussion on that. So I encourage you to go to Debbie's blog post, and she details all about her task cards and her homework task cards, and how she gets those started in her class. And I just love the idea that she has the acts of kindness in there, because it kind of hits those SEL points that we need to get, and also just encouraging them to do kind and thoughtful things around the home. And the fourth thing I came up with was hands-on activities. So hands-on activities for alternatives to homework can really help your homework completion rate. Young students love doing activities. My daughter likes to break out the paints, use shaving cream on the table. Like she loves that kind of stuff. So, if you have a school population that's mine, maybe you're at a Title I school as well, you might have to go out of pocket in order to send additional materials home. For students to complete these hands on activities. So, I recommend trying a Donor's Choose project to help offset those costs and, or making the hands on activities um, a monthly requirement instead of something that's going to be due every week. That way, there's less that you have to find and purchase to send home with students. Or it really gives families enough time to source the materials and, if needed, request some from you because maybe you do have families that want to help and donate, and that could be an option as well. So some of my favorite hands-on activities revolve around spelling and sight word practice. You've heard me talk about this many times before. So at the beginning of each school year, I sent all my families my sight word practice at home booklet, and inside that booklet, there's very easy, very common ways to practice sight words at home that most families actually haven't heard of. As teachers, we've heard of them, but parents haven't heard of them. So it's things like writing words in Play-Doh, or as I mentioned, the shaving cream. You know, you just spray shaving cream on a desk at school, you have kids write in it, it's really fun. But translating that to home, spraying the shaving cream on a coffee table or a dining table like I do with my daughter, And that brings a whole new meaning to practicing their spelling words. Now it's fun, it's engaging, and parents might see how beneficial it is just having their kid practice in a different way rather than let's sit down with your notebook and your pencil. So another way to have hands-on activities, of course, is math and partner games. So I think it was the year before last yes so year before last I actually sent packets home right before COVID hit luckily <laughs> and in those packets were photocopies of several math partner games a die a paper clip to be used as a spinner and a sheet protector with a whiteboard marker so once we've learned the games in class they can now teach them to their families at home and play those games at home. And a lot of families gave me some feedback that they loved learning these games and they found it fun and enjoyable way to get in some math practice at home. So it's no longer just, you know, the flashcards or the sit down and work with me on this math book page. It's now an engaging game that families are enjoying to do. So the last idea I have for a... One homework alternative is to do STEM projects. Now, I don't know about you, but my year right now and my schedule is jam packed for my class, and I don't have a lot of time to complete STEM or STEAM projects. So being able to send these home is really freeing up time for me within the classroom, but it's also exposing students still to the importance of STEM and STEAM. And it's kind of a win-win situation. Students are having that fun at home. They're engaging in the materials and coming up with the project. And I don't have to spend my class time on it, which I do love to do. But unfortunately, with the way our scores are and our schedule, I just don't have the luxury of spending that time to have students do that. So I would encourage, if you're using... Um, these kind of STEM projects or the hands-on activities, that you're asking parents to take a picture and send you that so that you can see what the completed projects look like or that they've engaged in the activity. So you kind of know what's going to work or not work in the upcoming months. So you can kind of duplicate and get a bigger return on your investment, so to speak. You also, with the STEM or STEAM projects, want to make sure that you're sending some kind of reflection home. So that students are responding to what they've learned from doing that project. Now, if time allows, I would also ask that you have students share their pictures and responses during class. So I have Class Dojo, and an easy way to do this is if a parent just sends me a message and gives me that photo, I can pull it up on the screen. And once it's enlarged, it's not going to show any of the information other than the parent's name and the child that it Belongs to, but they're not going to see any personal messages between me and other parents. And then I can show them that picture. We did that a lot last year when we were online because I was the distance only teacher. And I had, you know, a girl celebrate her dance recital by sending me pictures. And I had another girl show us her new pet hamster. And I had somebody else show pictures of their dog. So just a good way to get to know the class by having these pictures come in from their parents. And the parents also like to send them too, because they're like, oh, they're talking about so-and-so's pet and they wanted to share theirs. So it really got them engaged in talking. So if you can get them sending pictures of their completed STEM projects, then you can have a discussion on like, oh, here's what he did. How did you do it? And what do you think is different? Why did he build his this way and yours is not that way? So you can have some of those meaningful discussions behind STEM or STEAM and really bring out what you are missing from not having it done in class. Also, having other students complete the work and sharing it always entices the other students to want to complete it. Not always, but a good amount of time. You always have some of those students that are very stubborn and never want to complete anything (laughs) homework related, but for the most part, you should see a better return of having students bring in their homework assignments. Okay, so my last thoughts for having a successful homework alternative is when you consider using any of these five ideas, you wanna make sure to factor in how to make your students accountable for completion. Are you going to be grading these? Are you going to be tracking or rewarding students who complete the projects or tasks? And if you're doing that, then how are the students that never complete homework because they don't have that family support going to be feeling if they never receive these rewards or benefits from turning in work? Is there a way that you can offer a chance for them to still complete it even though they're not completing it at home? Will you be supplying any materials needed to complete the assignment? Like we talked about sending home maybe, you know, a bag of popsicle sticks. I almost said pipe cleaners and then I changed it at the last minute. So are you going to send home baggies of popsicle sticks for them to complete their STEM projects or a little container of Play-Doh? So thinking through those things um, is going to determine how many projects you want to do. Are you going to be doing a monthly or weekly How much time are you going to be giving them to complete the work? Will they have the whole month, the whole week? Is it going to be due the next day? Will your families be receptive to this new style of homework? If you teach in a more traditional school, maybe the parents will not be as receptive. Maybe just send like a survey to parents at first saying, you know, I'm thinking of trying this new idea at homework. Would you be interested in trying it with me? And see how the families react. Then that also gives you a bigger, oh, I don't know what the word is right now, but it's also going to give you more support if you need to go to your admin and say, hey, you know what, I want to switch my homework policy and this is what I want to do instead. And if you can show that the parents were on board with it, then that's going to give you like more clout to be able to do that homework. Okay, so then you also want to think about Will you, the activities you sent home being meaningful to your class and their learning? What is the main goal with this un-homework? So every time you send something home like homework, you want to think, what is the reasoning behind it? Am I just sending home this math sheet because that's what my whole grade level does? But what is the return you're getting on having students complete that? Is it easy for them to do? Can they do it independently? Do they need assistance and they just don't have it? Are you setting them up for failure by sending home this kind of homework? So that's really what I want you to think about after listening to today's episode is, does your homework policy work for you? Is there an easier way to do it that leads you less stressed and your kids or students, I like to call them my kids, leaves your students happier and more willing to complete assignments? Okay, so I hope today you were able to listen and get some great ideas for ditching your traditional homework and finding some alternatives, and I would love to hear what works for you in terms of homework in your own classroom. Do you even do homework? I would love it if you leave a comment on my blog post, so it's sharedteaching.com forward slash podcast, and you're going to look for five alternatives to homework and leave a comment on that post. You can also leave a comment after listening if you're in iTunes, and I will see the review there as well. And just to recap, we talked about five alternatives to homework. Number one was to have a monthly family homework. So something like decorate a turkey or create a leprechaun trap that's due just monthly. We talked about number two is choice boards. Number three was unhomework task cards, such as having acts of kindness, good habits, creativity, real world math and science. Number four was hands on activities. And last but not least was STEM or STEAM projects. So I appreciate you listening to another episode and I will talk to you next week. Have a good one. If you've loved this show, then join me in sharing the teaching. Hitting that subscribe button. And leaving us a review on iTunes. So we can be found by more teachers like you who are ready to start sharing the workload. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Find new episodes each week on ShareTeaching.com. Thanks for listening to the Share Teaching Podcast.